Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs about how they built their businesses. I read entrepreneur stories all the time because I'm just so freaking excited about like the world of business, about tech. Joining me is an entrepreneur whose story I kind of heard. And truthfully, all I heard about it was got bought by WeWork and then WeWork sold it back to the founders. And the in-between and the before and after, I didn't know much about and then my producer sent me notes on him, and I couldn't believe it. His name is Seth Bismertnik. He is the founder of Conductor. It's uh, organic marketing software that helps customers create and optimize content. The story here is about how he built a $25 million company, went down to $0, built it back up. And yes, of course, there is the sale and then the repurchase. And then hopefully we'll get into some of the, some of the stuff that he did even in his childhood that's a little bit... Um, wow, I wonder if your parents thought that maybe there was something wrong with you and that as a parent now, I, I sometimes look at my kid, I go, did I get a bad one? Did I get a good one? I wonder if your parents thought that about you. All right, we're going to find out all that thanks to two phenomenal sponsors. The first will host your website, right? It's called HostGator. And the second, if you're hiring uh, salespeople or considering hiring salespeople, you should go check out Overpass, but I'll talk about those later. First, Seth, good to have you here. Very excited to be here. Uh, actually, my father at my my father's speech at my wedding was, for all of you that all of the people who have children and think there's no hope, don't give up. Seth is a testament to that. You know what? And I've heard fathers laugh about stuff like that, but then you start to think, well, maybe, right? Well, let, let me let me spend a little bit of time on this little uh, article that I saw that you wrote on LinkedIn. You said in the article, we sold to WeWork. And you said, I called every investor and thanked them. I put my phone on speaker. My wife and kids were listening in. People cried. Yeah, that's true. Because what? What happened to them that you sold this business? So I, I am, I always, anytime I talk with entrepreneurs or leaders about uh, equity in companies, and I, I always say, you know, people call me up. They're like, hey, how much equity should we do? Or how much should we put on? And I said, you're never great. I don't think you're ever going to regret giving away too much equity to the people who help you build the company, right? Um, and I share my experience that one of the most joyous moments of my entire life. So we, we the company was going to get announced that we sold the business. All the former employees and existing employees were going to get, we're going to make money. And um, I called up every shareholder who helped us build the company former employees, advisors, even folks who I could have said I didn't have, or maybe were, they weren't the most fondest of, I called every single one and I told them what was happening. I told them how much money they were going to be getting. Uh, I told them when it was going to happen. And, you know, people were crying. Um, people were, uh, they were screaming. They, um, you know, there's one guy and he, he actually, he couldn't afford to buy his stock options. So we, we let them have them and we let, we let everybody roll their stock options. We didn't, we didn't force them to buy them. And, um, and he just started cursing and cursing. And I'm like, I'm like, Hey, you know, my kids are in the, my kids are listening. Stop <laughs> doing that. And he just couldn't stop saying the F word. He kept saying and saying and saying it. And, and it was moving, you know, it, it was really moving. And, you know, I just think, you know, it's, it's uh, when we created the new company, which is conductor that we are today. Um, amazingly enough, the employees of this company, we call them co-founders. They own uh, at least 10 times more than we had in the last company. And uh, it's certainly something I look forward to in the future is how we can have an impact on all their lives. You had what, 10% of the business when you sold it? 
So when we sold the business, myself and all the employees, we owned about 7% of the company. Oh, wow. And it was a cash sale? Uh, no, it's cash and equity. So, okay. I mean, you know, the way these things work are like people who have stock options tend to get cash and, and it was a mix, but all the, all the employees got, um, got, uh, cash for their, their stock options. All the employees got cash for their stock options. They didn't get WeWork shares that then and they got, we were, and they and got WeWork shares. a meaningful amount of WeWork shares that they, uh, got on a go forward basis. So, um, was it tough afterwards when the stock, sorry, interesting. What were you going to say? I don't want to interrupt. No, you. no, keep going, keep going. I feel like I just cut you off from saying something really good. Uh, th- when when the stock went down for WeWork, did they did they suffer from that? Yeah, I mean we so mm-hmm. we we got a con- conductor myself and 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 all the people we were given a substantial amount of WeWork stock as mm-hmm. part of the consideration for selling the company. I mean, you know, when I look back in time, uh, in, in you know, even knowing what happened with WeWork, and and I think conductor benefited. You know, we had a great, we, we ended up, um, we almost lost everything, but we ended up having this sort of unicorn scenario that we are now, which I can talk about maybe later. Um, but um, I would go back 10 out of 10 times and I would do the deal again, um, in spite of all the craziness and all the bad things that happened. Because um, the deal with WeWork, we, why? Well, it was just at the, at, from where I was sitting, it was the absolute best thing to do. So the company actually was uh, coming off of uh, 14 quarters straight of accelerating revenue growth. Okay. And we were about $30 million when we sold the business, 28, 29 million of ARR, high margin SaaS revenue, great customers, great, you know, you know, very, the best companies in the world using the product. The business was performing the best it ever was. Our investors wanted to put more money in. It was for the, for once, for the first time, it was really starting to get traction. And then all of a sudden we get an offer to sell the company. But when I looked at it, it was, the offer was like, we'll give you a blank check to do basically whatever you want. You can buy companies. We can, you can invest and hire as many people as you want. Um, you'll have autonomy. Um, and your, your cap, your basically your employees are going to get so much equity that, you know, you, they, you know, they would have to do twice. Conductor would have to be 10 times mm. bigger for that to actually happen. And when someone gives me an opportunity to do such a great thing for all the employees of the company, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't say no to it. And they had a huge amount of stock, op- stock options and stock and actually most everyone that's here that that was that joined conductor during the WeWork days, they all still have their WeWork stock. And, um, you know, as WeWork goes public and things like that, they'll all benefit. Actually, I'm the, ironically, I'm the only one that has no WeWork stock. Because? Part of when we bought the company back, um, the way that the transaction worked was I, you know, I contributed all of my WeWork stock as part of the consideration for buying the company. All right. My goal is to understand how you got here. But let me just ask you one side note question. Adam Newman, the founder of WeWork, bright guy, genius. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is comp- very complicated person. Um, mm-hmm. uh, very, you know, very complicated person. Uh, incredible strengths, incredible brilliance, um, incredible weaknesses, right? Incredible um, blind spots. What's a what's a blind spot and what's a strength? A strength is that. Adam can, in a in a one to one, one to five, or one to five hundred setting, almost uh, at with a hundred percent you know success rate, get people excited about something in a in a huge way. He, mm-hmm. he has such certainty of of the future that it's 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 so attractive. It's alluring. It's um it's the reason why so many amazing people became in the vortex of WeWork. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I was telling, I was talking to my wife last night. And I'm like, it's shocking to see all the all the CEOs and entrepreneurs that are that are former WeWork employees that are now starting companies, raising rounds, and it's like there's so many good people there. And it was because Adam, Adam was a magnet for it. Mm-hmm. That's a strength. Uh, blind spots. Um, the, the growing uh, discontent and lack of trust for him that, uh, that happened in the last uh. few years and, 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 not, um, and not being cognizant of that and finding a way to self-rationalize um, the, the, the really dark things that were starting to brew in the minds of the people that he needed to, to get him to what he wanted to go to. And the dark things were? Distrust disengagement, mm. um, uh, you know, lack of buy-in, lack of comfort. Uh, and ultimately, you know, we, when we work had, you know, it was, it was like a swing crowd. It's like, yeah, the Yankees are good. I'm a Yankee fan. Yankees aren't good. I'm not a Yankee fan. You know, it's, mm. it was like that. We work was good. Everybody's on the train, but as soon as people, as soon as we, things weren't good, I mean, all the bad press, large, a lot of it was seeded from all of the, this, all the people who used to work there or, or work there who just were so fed up with the company. They were exhausted from what I understood from all the demands that, was, that were made of them. They stopped believing in this vision and then they looked around and they saw the challenges and they started to spew. They but, started to- but a lot of his lack of credit, credibility, right? So, you know, when you say something that you're going to do and you don't do it. Yeah. Is that a lie? Now, uh, I would say you can argue yes. And if you do that enough times, if you say enough things and you mm-hmm. don't do them, you lose credibility. And I think, I think that is what, at least I, you know, I wasn't around, I wasn't around at WeWork during the glory, mm-hmm. during all the glory days. I was only there from March 18 to December 19. Um, they already had 6,000 employees when I joined. Obviously they did so many things right to get to that point. But I saw, yeah. I basically joined right when things started to turn, I think where sentiment went from like, we're all in, I'll eat my family for this company. Like I'll do anything for this company to then this disconnect between like, there's us and there's leadership and I'm going to be successful in spite of leadership. All right. I I think that we're going to, if he has a second act, I think we'll all reconsider the past, like the Winklevoss twins, right? They were, they were like the evil schemers who were trying to take away uh, Mark Zuckerberg's company for a while. And then they became the geniuses who saw Bitcoin before anyone else and evangelized Absolutely. it. Right. So I, I, I see both sides. I, I kind of wish that we didn't make entrepreneurs into heroes and goats in the world, you know, because then we can't really fully understand them. If they're the goat that failed and that's what we need them to be, we're not getting any depth. If they're the heroes and we're not understanding how they got there and it gives us a bad perception. Adam was, I mean, WeWork was so successful. I mean, it, it, and it is today. I mean, it's so many billions of dollars of revenue. The product is phenomenal. You know, I mean, that's the thing people miss out. It wasn't Theranos. It wasn't fraud. People love WeWork. Yep. It just was um, overextension, overambition. And, you know, you just got a little too far out ahead and, and, and it collapsed, right? You started Conductor, this company that you sold to WeWork and then rebought and you now are, are on a whole new path with it. But it started in college as what? Yeah, so I, 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 uh, I, started, um, I started the company right i think right at the end of college i start actually when i was in college at my my the end i was starting a company to deliver therapy online called mind mt and that never really got off the ground but i spent a good 
18 months, two years off on it. What did it look like? I heard about MindMD. Did it look like Betterment and some of these new apps that are out or what did it look like? It was basically, it was a, it was a portal that you can call up or you can have a text message or I mean, instant message, not text message conversation. And um, you basically can go into like a HIPAA compliant private room and have a conversation and you can have like a 15 minute session on on a phone uh, with a therapist. And then you can have a video conference and at the time, I mean, the, the stigma around therapy was much different than it is today. I mean, you know, much more negative then. And it was a, it was a, it was not an idea I got much uh, traction with. I mean, lots of therapists who wanted to participate, but anyone in the business world thought it was a, a wacky idea. And, and did, and people weren't, yeah, you know what? It's hard for me to imagine now, but frankly, when I had the founder of Betterment on here a few years ago, I I didn't believe it until I dug into the business, understood how it worked and didn't realize, oh yeah, of course this makes more sense than going out to your friend's recommended yeah. therapist. Well, now, I mean, now it's like, I mean, I see a therapist um, every Tuesday and last week he wrote me, he wrote an email said, Hey, if you want to come to the office on Tuesday, we're open. I'm open. And I was going to go. And then I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll just do zoom again. You know, like I just, it just is a little easier. Um, yeah. Uh, I didn't think I'd be one of the people to say that, but that's, that's, that's what I did say. Um, okay, so you built it so, up. How far did you get with it before? You I mean, uh, we, we, um, we built this whole platform and we ended up, I mean, there, I, I, I basically lost all, most of my money doing legal diligence because there's so many uh, legal restrictions on how people like, if someone's in New Jersey and they're talking to a therapist in New York and the license do- doesn't mm. transfer over. So I actually, I, 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 I burned a lot of cash and, you know, I was only, 21, 22 years old. So a lot, you know, I didn't have a lot of cash. Like, and I had loans that I took out from school to fund it and, you know, making money, you know, play, playing poker in the evenings. Um, and, uh, and then I, um, as a side business, I had a roommate and his name was Jeremy and he, he became, he basically went from being on unemployment to being like pretty rich during the time we were living together all this fancy stuff started showing up in my apartment, like electronic okay. drums and giant TVs. And, and he basically, when you did a search on Google for the word business cards, his websites showed up one, two, and three. And he built a basically an automated way to design a business card. And he had someone else drop ship it. And he would, he had no employees. He didn't even have to work all day. And he just was basically print, literally printing money. Okay. And he came to me one day and he said, Hey, why don't we, why don't we start a little business where we can help companies build links to their websites and, uh, and, uh, you know, you do all the work and I'll put in the money and it'd be like a little kind of get rich quick side scheme. So I said, okay, I'm like the therapy business wasn't anywhere close to making me any money to pay my, my bills, you know? So, so I put, I you know, got a calculator together. I was like, all right, fine. He, he, he contributed about $20,000 and I started working on building websites and I was going to put links on them. And in doing that, I'm like, you know what, why, why not, instead of building new websites, why don't we build software and go to existing websites? And we start, we hired an engineer, we started building a product and we eventually built a product called, originally it was called Link Management Systems, but then it was called Link Spurts, L-I-N-K-X-P-E-R-T-S. Um, we couldn't afford the, the E, that was, eight, uh-huh. that was $1,800. Um, and we put up a website and we actually had links that you can buy on Jeremy's business card website. That's how we started. And I got two calls that I guess changed my life because they called me on my Vonage, my Vonage phone. And I, you know, I'm like in my underwear, you know, like just like my, my apartment one morning. And it was like, Hey, this is a, you know, this is priceline.com. And we, we saw your product and 
we've got $50,000 a month to do link building. Can you give us all your inventory? And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, let me, let me get back to you. What's your name, your number? Anyway, we only had three websites. The most we can sell this company was, was like $500, right? But I'm like, we literally had people calling us to give us money. And that started to change my attitude towards that business. I got one business where no one wants, everyone thinks I'm crazy when I walk in the room to talk about it. And then I got this business where people are literally calling me and giving and throwing money at me. And we ended up, I ended up shutting down the therapy business. Um, and I um, started, uh, we started Links Experts and we went, we went full time. I, I got, I got $40,000 to start the company. My, my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, gave me like all the money she had, which was $15,000. My dad gave me 20 and then I took a $10,000 loan out from, from Citibank and he put in, Jeremy put in 45, I put in 45, we had 90K. We rented an office right here on 28th and Park for $2,000 a month in the Kiami Arcade building. And we got, we found a CTO who would work for free, Richard Saffron. We got two engineers that uh, worked for $400 a week and we were starting to build this company and into a... Uh, um, a, a link building network business effectively where you can go in and you can have buy links that were SEO friendly. So instead of them going through like ad servers, they were, we, we built a technology to hard code them on your website. So what ended up becoming of the business was all these big companies, um, Microsoft and companies like that, Microsoft, one example I always use was if you did a Google search for exchange server, which is Microsoft's product, they didn't show up. It was all these resellers that showed up because Google wasn't good at, at crawling deep in the big companies' websites. So we would give them links that they would buy and they would point deep into their websites and then they would start to rank. So for, for companies, they just give us money and they start to rank. And we then had all this money behind us. So we went to Forbes and PC Magazine and all the big publishers, New York Times, and basically, Conductor built the biggest. I mean, Link Experts. I'm sorry, Link Experts. By the way, we bought the we bought the name Link Experts by at one point. We built. We went from uh, zero to a million dollars in revenue in our first year. We raised two and a half million dollars from First Smart Capital, which was Pequot Ventures, Amish Johnny, First Smart Capital, and then and then over the course of three years, that business was doing twenty five million dollars, and we had the who's who of best brands as customers. And before we take it any further. What you're talking about was, it was kind of gray hat, if not black hat. I, I guess at the time it was a little more accepted, but I know that there was the idea of how, of can bloggers sell links without uh, no follows was a big issue. Can bloggers create Absolutely. paid content? All Absolutely. that stuff was a big issue. What was it like internally? I mean, we're talking about Microsoft there. They're not going to be- This is one of my in. first major professional struggles. Um because when we started, actually, Yahoo was one of our first customers, uh, the search engine. Mm -hmm. So you remember that you had Yahoo Travel and, and Yahoo Right, Auto. and they would do, they had a big SEO team from, or at least a, yeah. a, cape, a strong SEO team. And I said, why do you need SEO? People need to do SEO to rank on your site. They said, no, we also have our products. We want to rank on Google for our products. It was, it was one of the smartest things they did. They were our customers. So there's okay. a search engine bought, buying effectively links from us. Okay. And what we did is we only we we only worked with like Fortune 1000 companies. We only had the best publishers. All of our links were only relevant and had good ad. They had good content. Um, but what ended up happening was the search engines actually had a real loophole in their algorithms, where you could pretty much get a link to it from any company to any website, and you'd start to rank. 
And this became a real problem for Google. And like, like all things like that, there were a lot of bad companies that were really taking advantage of this. So as that happened, you know, I found ourselves in a situation where when we started, we were just building links for companies. And now all of a sudden we're in this highly controversial area where there's like good stuff and bad. And there's a guy named Matt Cutts from Google. And he started saying, you know, you shouldn't do this. And then all of a sudden now we're in like, are we in the black hat? Are we a black hat company? And we, we fought this for a long time. I hired a guy named Vishal Berry from Google and Vishal was our quality czar. That was his first title. And he built these giant, these quality guidelines to help us figure out how to do this in a way that made the internet better. Like we really believe we made the internet better. And I think actually we did. Um, but ultimately it became too big of a, of a, of a mountain to climb. And actually it got to the point where Google was calling our customers um, and telling them that if they worked with conductor, they would like kick them out of the search engine. And actually, I mean, I don't even know how they were able to do that, but we, I remember, um, someone from AT&T called up and they're like, listen, we'll keep, we'll pay you guys the money. Just take all the links down. And this became, you know, Google basically went all on attacked us because we were the biggest company doing this. And basically that business went from at the height of April, 2009, I think was about $25 million. And we ended up selling it, uh, five, you know, six months later, it was doing $7 million and we basically got nothing for the business and we had to start from scratch. Cause, because Google didn't like what we were doing because they didn't like the idea of someone having to being able to pay for links that, um, that affected their algorithms. And we became the company that was the most well-known. Um, and again, our customers were the, 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 the only the best company. We didn't sell to affiliates. We didn't let publishers buy links. We had, we had all the, you know, I think we, we really did a lot of good work, but it just became like, you know, yeah, we had to fold our cards at some point because the, the, I wanted, I started, I wanted to be an entrepreneur to build an enterprise that can last forever and something my children can be proud of. And all of a sudden, you know, we weren't, we weren't like making money from this company. Like I was making a hundred thousand dollars, $85,000 salary. Like it wasn't like we were like printing all this money we were getting. It was just, we were hiring people and growing the company. Um, and now all of a sudden I'm in a business that clearly is not going to be a company that's going to go public one day. And, uh, how did you, know, you, how did you not that. freak out? You're using your, your wife's money. You're using your dad's money. It's you It's frankly, I'm a New Yorker too. You see all this yeah. wealth around you. You see, you know, success equated with doing good work. You, how did you not feel bad about all this and just close in on yourself? Well, this was a, this was, uh, this was not the hardest moment in my professional career, but it was, I think it's top four, uh, top three, top four, um, very hard because, um, we had put all the work into the company and, um, and watching it vaporize was very hard. Now there's, there's a, there's a silver lining as there always is, right. Which is that I had started to have the idea to build SEO software while doing this. So what we found was all these big companies like Microsoft, for example, who was a customer, they didn't have any tools to measure their organic marketing. Like how do we show up in search engines? What's competition showing up? Are our sites getting better? Are our pages getting better? And I just like kept scratching my head. I'm like, how do these companies not know this stuff? And Google Analytics and Omniture, which is now Adobe Analytics, they didn't tell you any of this stuff. So after work, I hired a, um, a designer 
And we would meet about three days a week for about four months. And we started to sketch out an idea for building a software product to, um, to, do, to manage your SEO, like a salesforce.com or an Omniture for your organic marketing and your SEO. And we built this prototype out. It was like a PDF document. And then I was like, let's, I started showing it to our customers, the link building customers. And they're like, they, they all, they were like, if you can build this, we'll buy it for you. We'll pay you 50,000 for it. We'll pay you 80,000. So I got a Mish from Firstmark to come to what we did a few of these meetings at his office. He saw the reactions. And he wrote us a check for, I think, $2 million to start hiring engineers to build this product. And then actually, we raised in, um, we raised uh, the day, uh, the day Lehman Brothers went out of business, I started my process to raise a series B for Conductor, which was the software company. Mm -hmm. We were still a link building business, but we wanted to build the software company. Mm -hmm. And we raised financing from Matrix. I got five term sheets in one of the hardest times to raise money. And we started building this product. And what made the what made this process a little easier of losing the whole link experts business was that it's not like we went we went back to zero, but we had a we had the beginnings of a software product that was going to become the future of the company. And that's when we changed mm-hmm. the name to Conductor. And come and customers that were willing to pay significant money for it. And what when we built the product, which when is, you built it, right? Which was which was a long way from that point. Of time. But there was clear there was clear need for the next thing. Yeah. You weren't trying there to. There was a future. But then what could it do that, that, um, that Google Analytics couldn't do? Frankly, people who are in the SEO space use Google Analytics like wizards, yeah, well, in the butt, but right? What is it that your PDF showed that, that Google Analytics didn't? The big, the big thing is, so Google Analytics or Omniture Adobe, they tell you everything that happens once a person lands on your website. What we do is we crawl the whole web, like the search engine, and we crawl your website, we crawl the search engines, we crawl the competition, and we tell you what people, what consumers and buyers experience before they get to your website. So when they, so if we wanted, if you wanted to see um, how many times do I show up when someone searches for laundry detergent products, I, you show up 35% of the time, this company shows up 65% of the time. Here's the pages that perform well. Here's the ones who don't. Um, and we were able to give them their visibility on their, their digital presence. Uh, that's, that's what the first version did. It said, when people are searching for this, here's who's showing up. And here are the pages specifically on those sites that show Absolutely. up. And now when you do more work, you can see as you rise up, got it. And then we gave them a little score on their pages. So we would score their pages and say, here's things that you can do on this page to make this page have a better chance. Ah, uh, got it. So kind of like SEMrush today, right? Yeah, so SEMrush uh, is a partner of ours, a long-term partner. We've been partnering with them for about almost ten years since we started Conductor, actually. Um, but they they focus on they have they have like seventy thousand SMB customers. We focus on enterprises, so it's very different. We work on big companies, and it's a different type of product. It's like comparing like Adobe Analytics with like um, um, you know some yeah I mean something that's very SMB oriented. No, I get it. I wanted to get a sense, though, of what it did, and I see now what the first per- first version did. Let me take a moment to talk about my sponsor, and then come back in and understand okay. how the how the the business unfolded. My first sponsor is Overpass. In fact, Seth, I'm going to ask you. There are a lot of people out there who have this understanding that the internet means you don't have to have salespeople anymore. You build a great landing page. If it doesn't work, optimize and optimize. Have you found? that hiring a salesperson has helped or how have you thought about doing it? And I'll use that as my ad for overpass. Just talk about your experience, even though you haven't used them yet. 
again, a lot of misperceptions. It, it, it is impossible, almost impossible, if not impossible to, to sign enterprise deals with enterprise companies without salespeople. You have to go through security reviews. You have to go through procurement. You have to um, go through pricing negotiations, legal reviews. You need salespeople. I was actually just talking to someone last week from Atlassian, which is notorious for saying we don't use salespeople. Mm. And the person's like, that's not true. We have tons of salespeople here. Um, ah. um, so salespeople are essential if you're dealing with um, you know, contracts that are over $5,000 a year. You need salespeople. You know what? And I didn't know about it until I moved to San Francisco. This was like 10 years ago or so. I come in here. One of the first things that we do is I hosted a uh, drinks for my wife. Her friends come out and I start to see all these people who work at tech companies. And I was talking to a guy who worked at Box. And I said, what do you do at Box? He goes, I'm sales. I go, doesn't the webpage sell? And he started telling me about the, the calling process and how they work enterprise. And it completely opened my eyes to something that was always there, but we don't talk about. All right. Listen up, people. If you're considering adding salespeople or you want to grow your sales team, the beauty of Overpass is they make it easy for you to go to their marketplace, find the right salesperson, see their ratings, see what they're experienced in. Are they better at calls? Are they better at email? What have they done for other businesses? See their, uh, see their availability and then hire them. And if you decide that you want to hire them, you of course, you get to do an interview first and, and actually test them out. But if you decide you want to hire them, Overpass will even make it easier for you to work with them remotely because they've got software to help manage a relationship. Go give it a shot right now. You can get started very quickly. And frankly, if it doesn't work out, you can also unwind it very easily because that's what Overpass does. Makes it easy for you to hire and work with your sales uh, people. So if you go to this URL, you're going to get a discount. And frankly, you're going to get educated on the power and the speed with which you can get this up and running for your business. It is overpass.com slash Mixergy, overpass.com slash Mixergy. How long does it take That's you to beautiful. build? The, it's it's amazing. I wish I wish I thought of it. I can't believe nobody else thought of doing it. Right? There are these platforms where you can go and hire writers. There are these platforms where you can go and hire developers. Yeah. Of course, salespeople and salespeople work great remote. All right. Um, and sometimes what you need is like the the mom who's at home and waiting yeah. for her kid to come home from yeah. school who can give your product that touch that you know a salesperson in an office is not going to do. All right. Um, how long did it take you to build that first version of Conductor? So the link expert, the link expert business or the, or the, um, the, so the now link software. experts, you were starting to sunset, right? That was, yeah, now nice. I understand why you needed so much money because what you were doing was actually writing on people's websites. It wasn't got it. It wasn't like as simple as a banner ad you sold it. You said you got next to nothing for it. You're restarting yep. on this new business, which, yep. uh, which becomes conductor. Yep. Amish is behind you, by the way, he's still there at first mark. We're talking about, I don't know, his whole life has basically been there. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's and one, then, of the, one of the most successful VCs here in New York. He's fantastic. Uh, Shop, I can go through the list of the people. I guess he was involved in Shopify, Shopify. And Brooklyn. And I can yeah. go through the list. All right. Um, so then how long did it take you to build that new version, the new business? So we, I mean, so, I mean, this is, this is where, you know, we went from one fire to the next during those days. Um, you know, we had the, the, the link building business that um, was collapsing. Um, and that was like our kind of, that was the thing that was providing a lot of cash in the business to fund the whole company, right. To fund the, the, we were hiring a lot of engineers for conductor. So, and then we had this weird di you know, dynamic where we had like the new business, we're creating this thing called conductor, but then we've got all these people working on the other business. And, and then, and then we sold that business. And what was bizarre was when we sold the business, um, we had about 30 people went to the company who bought it. And, but they still worked in our office for like three months. 
So, so they, we had like this, these people who were part of our company that were friends, right. That were going to the new company and they were there. And then we were launching conductor and it took us, um, it, it really took many years to get a good product that actually provided value. And part of that was that it was a very hard product to build. But then part of that is I'm, I screwed up so many things in the beginning, largely because, you know, when you go home at night as a founder and you've got a $20 million fast growing business, you feel pretty good, right? But when you go home at night and you've got a, a startup that has no product and, and, and you're pre-revenue, you're like, what do we got to do to make this product so we can get customers? But I had a team in, in the, on a different floor that was building Conductor and I, I hired a CTO and I hired a VP of product who were two of the, the, the least successful hires I've ever made in my life. And the thing just turned out to be a giant disaster. We wasted a lot of money. We, we had to rebuild the whole product. Our CTO came in and he was crying one day because the product wasn't working. And, you know, we had, a, we had to kind of clean the whole leadership team up and then rebuild the whole product. So it took us a number of years to get the product to be really good. And frankly, I mean, it took us even longer to really make up for some of the architectural sins that we had made, that we had committed during those And years. the problem was that you wanted this new business to grow as fast as the last business, maybe even faster because the other business was starting to go away. Yeah, no, the other business is a much better business, right? The, the, the conductor business is a, it's, it's a, it's a SaaS recurring revenue software, high margin uh -huh. business, you know, that those are like, you know, the most valuable companies yep. today. The other, and, the, and then the link building business was a, you know, we had to share half the money with the publishers and, you know, it's an ad networks model, which is a lower value business. So, but Seth, but yeah, that one had, grew quickly. That one you got to, I think you said a million dollars within 12 months. You had yeah. customers uh, offering you money before you yeah. even got started. We wanted to grow fast. Absolutely. And we did and so and did Conductor, Conductor didn't grow as fast. It took you a while to get it off the ground. And then once it did, did it, how long did it take for it to start? I don't know, I to mean, start we, holding we, its own. We launched, we launched the product in June of 2010. And we started to, I mean, we started to, uh, we got to $10 million in ARR, annual recurring revenue in uh, a couple of years. Actually, we grew very fast. Oh, and, wow. And that that was fast. because we had, now the thing is that's different is we grew fast because we had we had good commercial chops so salespeople right good salespeople mm. we knew how to sell we had a brand um, but the product um, the product was worse than our selling so um, I actually want to you know I started writing some of the stories of Conductor and one of my posts is called the Unconscious Ponzi Scheme uh -huh. and this is a story of Conductor the early days of Conductor where. We were adding customers a lot faster than we were losing them, but we still were losing customers. And eventually when you stop adding customers as fast as you are adding them, then your business flattens out, right? And this is what was happening to us. And it was largely because we, the companies was so focused on selling and we were not focused on customers. And that's what, you know, you made a comment earlier about how every time you see me, I'm wearing a shirt that says customers first. And that's because I, I, I went through a very cathartic fundraising process where the company almost didn't make it at the end of 2014. And coming out of that, I realized that we had to run the company whole differently. And we just made a 180, 180 degree turn and we became a customer obsessed company. And that became the beginning of the good years. Sales first got you to grow revenue, but not to build a better product and a better business. And it was unsustainable. Customer first did. What was it that made you so good at sales? What, what was your process for doing that? It, well, I think that we, we had a great vision 
um, we had a great vision and we were able to articulate our vision. And it was, I think it wasn't, it, it was just that, and the timing was really good. The problem was, is just our ability to execute on the software side was, was not good. But it was so, a thing that people were starting to understand that businesses started to understand the value of search engine optimization, but they absolutely. didn't know how to measure it. They were spending real money behind it, uh, on yep. it. Got it. So it was that you tapped a real need. Absolutely. And you understood this was a need because what was it that let you discover this? Well, because we had this link building business and we were dealing with companies who wanted to show up in the search engine and couldn't, and they were willing to just throw some money at it. And in working with them, we realized that they didn't have the tools to do this. And, and just logically, Google, more and more people in the world are searching on Google every day, mm -hmm. every year. And most of the traffic that goes through Google goes to the organic results. Yep. So the, the need to show up was only going to get bigger over time. And, you know, now post, you know, in this kind of tail end of COVID, I'm not sure where we call mm -hmm. ourselves right now, like that has gone up by exponentially in the last 12 months, where now enterprises all over the world are popping out of the woodwork and saying, you know, we gotta, we have to have a good organic presence because that's the only way to compete. So it's, it's kind of actually just getting going actually, even though we've been doing it for, for a while. Well, Seth, were you finding that customers were coming to you back when you were doing um, link experts saying to you, how do I show, how do I justify this to my boss? How do I know whether the money we're spending on links are working? How do yeah. I know what else we need to do? I'm lost. Were you specifically hearing that? Yes. So a lot of product mm -hmm. listening. So we, 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 we gave them the links and then we had to do all the reporting for them to show them why it worked. And it was very surprising to me how little they knew about how people find their websites. They knew a lot about other things, but very little about that. And that was when I just, like, I don't know, I don't know what, what triggered that from coming out of me, but that was when I was like, let's build a software product that can help them manage this. And I think logically, I was like, there's software for CRM, there's software for HR, there's software for web analytics. There's no software for SEO. And at that time, there was nothing. So that was the beginning of coming, of coming up with it and, and customers validated it the whole time. In that article that I mentioned earlier that you published the day that you sold your company to WeWork, you said that you had to keep reading the struggle, Ben Horowitz's uh, writing. Yeah. Why? Yeah. What was going on that made you have to keep coming back to that book? Got it right here. Oh, look at the hard um, thing about hard things. The book. Yeah. Well, in our, in our, you know, I, first of all, I'm not a victim, so I don't want to, I don't want to ever make that. I, I'm not a victim. I'm, I'm very privileged and I'm lucky to have gone through all the experiences that I've gone to. Um, but it is, it, I, I, I took the path of most resistance, right? I started a company out of college with no experience. Um, you know, I, I, I did everything completely learning on the job and, and I just happened to also have a lot of, you know, I made a lot of mistakes. So it's interesting when I was talking about being sales first, the, the real thing was, it's not that we didn't care about our customers, but when we had problems with customers, I, I chose to, to come up with aversions to think that we were fixing those problems when we really weren't. And the customer first focus was staring our problems in the head and just, and, and making the hard decisions to fix them. Um, but why, you know, why, why the struggle always resonated with me. And it's one of the most profound pieces of business writing, I, I think, um, is that, um, you know, we had times when, uh, when I mentioned that time we were raising money where we talked to 34 different venture firms and, 
um, it was the last one who invested and, and it, we were, we were a couple of weeks away from not making payroll and, and it looked like we were not going to get an investor, you know, and you're sitting in the room and it's glass and you could see everybody smiling and having a great time. And, you know, knowing that there's a very high probability that you'll have to probably let them all go, um, soon. Um, there was a time when the business was not performing well at all. And also we were running out of money and our competitor was trying to buy us and, the process got out of my hands. Um, and I had, a, I, I call this the era of the eye twitch because my eye was twitching for about like nine months. Um, there was a time where, when we actually, when we sold the link building business and we were starting conductor, I had a bad board member. I had two board members, Amish, and then a guy from matrix who's not there anymore. And he, he wanted to force us to sell the company and to, to replace me. He's like, we got to replace you and sell the company immediately fire sale. And it came as a complete surprise, no feedback. Everything was actually going according to plan. And, you know, it was like, I just lost everything. It was just like the, the rug had just been taken out from underneath me. And the next day I had to go present at our kickoff meeting for the new company. So, you know, there's a few of these things um, that we have come over the years. I'd say the biggest struggle was actually getting out of WeWork, even though I was the most seasoned and most mature at that time. That was the hardest moments of my life. Um, because when you, when you face it, when you face the threats of losing everything you've worked for and letting everyone who you care about down and potentially causing real damage in their life, you it's, it is a intolerable pain, right. That you feel from how would you have caused damage in their life? If you didn't extract conductor from WeWork, uh, we would have had to terminate their employment. We would have not. We would have um, not provided the financial fulfillment that we had promised as part of joining the company. Mm. Um, like their stock wasn't going to be worth anything. They were going to lose their job. Uh, meaning all these people be- who are who are screaming with enthusiasm the day that you said the sale went through, we're going to have some loss, not all of it, because you mentioned cash also. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, most of the upside was actually on the other side of the equation. But just losing their job and then also being part of something like it's not it's not, not not just losing your job, but also being a part of something that that was a failure. I mean, just, and just as a, as a side note, most of the companies that we were bought, unfortunately, they got destroyed. You know, they 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 ended up uh, not really making it out and mm-hmm. uh, or, or they did, but they were, you know, you know, uh, highly dismembered at that. Point. What's an example of that? Uh, managed by Q. Mm. This was a company that was a growing, great company, Dan Turan, the founder, and they got bought for a lot of money by WeWork and layoffs and layoffs and layoffs. And eventually they sold it to a competitor with 30 employees and went down to 15 and had like 250 at one point. Um, I mean, all, all of them actually, except for us really, uh, uh, didn't, we didn't, you know, didn't go through the pain that they went through. I mean, we, we almost did. I went through the pain, but, um, but the, our organization became, was pretty actually came away very unscathed. All right. I want to find out then what happened new after the sale. First, I should say my second sponsor is HostGator. In fact, Seth, I'm going to ask you this HostGator allows anyone to host a website. You could use WordPress. You could do whatever. You've seen tons of content-based sites. Do you have an idea if you had to start today, this is Seth. Your dad says, you know what? You're no good, Nick. I need you out of the house. Go make your own money, but I'll pay for your hosting package so you can start from scratch. What would you start today, 2021? What's an idea that Seth could launch with nothing but a hosting package? 
Like a website I, can, I would make? A website you could launch with nothing else. Yes. Is there a site that you would launch that would help you get back on top? Is there a business that you would create? I mean, you know, with the, with any with a good idea and a good hosting package and a good website, <laughs> you, can, you can do anything. I can say. You know what I would do right now? Here's the easy. Here's one. You tell me if this would work for you. Your team is mostly remote. Today, today, yeah, people are. Working. Are they all? Are they all going to go back into the office? Uh, some will, some won't. Okay, for the people who are at home, I think they're going to have an inadequate connection to the office. I I suggest somebody do this. Get a website where you say, here are the three or five different packages that you could have for work from home connection and work from home mic and all this stuff that you need, press a button and have it shipped out to, to people so that, that you could do that exact thing for everyone at your company, right? I love that. Right. All right. And you could do it just by ordering from Amazon, frankly, first version, and then you ship it out and then you start making these things and improving. All right. Listen to me, people, whether it's that idea or anything else, if you need a website to host your tip, wait, if you need a hosting company to host your website for your business, go to HostGator. If you go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy, they'll give you the lowest possible price they have. And frankly, their price is already so low that that's not why you're doing it. You're doing it because you're going to give me credit. Let's be honest. Hostgator.com slash Mixergy. Save a few pennies and help out your buddy, Andrew. They'll know that I sent Sounds you. Sounds like a good, good deal. What was going to be new? Now you've got the company started back up again. I mean, not started back up. Now you're running it yourself again. What changed after you bought it out? Well, it started with the ownership of the company and the corporate structure and the intention. So, um, you know, I, I, I've, I've always been a very, uh, a people first, uh, leader in the sense that I care a lot about the culture of the company. I mean, even to my detriment at times, um, you know, we've, we've won countless number of workplace awards. What does that mean, by the way? What do you do? But I'm looking at you right over your head is a drawing that says, change yourself, change the world. Yeah. I I don't think I could do it justice by describing it. Um, You've got a book. What was the book that you showed me before we got started? Uh, Oh, my culture book. Yeah. 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 This book, this is a book we wrote when we were at WeWork about the culture of the company. Okay. So you clearly care about this stuff. It surrounds you. What is, what's your vision for culture and how do you, how do you manage your team? I mean, I, I, for me, it's like a, a business is more than about starting a product and then, and then, you know, making money, right. The path is, is everything to me. And I, I deeply care about, and it's deep in my blood. I don't even, I, you know, it's just deep in my blood that about the workplace and I care about the people and I care that, and I want conductor, you know, we have a workplace mission, right? Which is about how do we, how do we make the workplace a place that makes, that lets you be the best version of the person you can be. And I believe very much that, that there's a lot of taboo at work where it's like, you go in, you puff up your chest and you, you know, pretend to be someone you're not. And you never, you don't talk about your feelings. You don't talk about what's, you know, you, you don't share, you don't want to share your weaknesses and the gaps in your skills you know, and then you go home and then you come back to yourself. I mean, that's the, and, and you work for a company and you, they, you do labor and they give you money. Right. I mean, that's the old mentality. When, and what I believe is like the people at your work, they, they have the secrets to your growth. And in many cases, the people who you work with, you spend more hours with them than anybody else in your life, even more than your significant others. If you're not, you know, besides the time you sleep in bed together. Um, so they have, they have a lot of secrets that can help you become a better person. And, if we can create a work environment where people can really um, realize the benefits of, of each other helping each other, then that will create the that will make it so people can grow faster and it'll make the company more successful. 
Um, so I, it's always been, I've always been passionate about doing this. And, and I think when you asked me the question about with a new company and the new company, we wanted to actually embed the culture in the, in the corporate foundation. So now that I've been doing this for a while, I learn a lot more about corporate structures and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So when we created the new company, one is, um, we distributed equity in the company equally, um, the terms of the type of equity we use for everybody. So everybody got co-founder stock, the same kind of stock that I got. Um, we we're all at the same level playing field. Um, no stock options, uh, no preferences, no kind of weird things that would that would that would uh, inhibit the employee. That's that's one thing. We call them co-founders. Yep. Um, How many were we, there? There were about two fifty when we yep. when we did that. And then we um, we actually created a co-founder uh, voting agreement, which gave the co-founders rights. Um, for example, the people who work at Conductor have uh, the rights to get the information on the performance of the business. Um, the people at the Conductor can sell stock to each other without any subject to any like rights of first refusal. Um, the, they have death benefits if they die. Um, they, um, they have the ability, they have, there's a springing right to create a board member for themselves. So if the employee base, which includes me, ever goes below 50% ownership, which is likely to happen as we grow and we raise money and, and so forth, the, they can elect a member amongst themselves as a board member to represent the employee base on the board of directors, right? Which is, uh, is a concept that actually is in, Euro, in some European companies, like German companies have employee board members, but in, in, Ameri in American companies, this is a non-existent idea. Um, so I, I really wanted to have a culture that was rooted in the corporate structure, um, and, and then now that we have the business back, it's about growing it. I mean, we're about a $50 million ARR business. Um, we are, we're accelerating our growth every quarter since we came out of WeWork. Um, the um, pandemic has done us well in the sense that, oh, your website is now more valuable than it's ever been before. And large corporations all over the world are, need our help. We've got the best product in the whole industry. Our competitors are, are, you know, are barely see them in our rear mirror. Um, and, um, and I, I think there's a chance to build a really meaningful company that, that can be, you know, a company that's up there with the Adobe's and the big companies of the world and has a positive impact. I mean, our mission is to help companies use, use their wisdom because every company has wisdom to do marketing better and to help people because instead of selling people stuff, we, we kept, we convince companies to use their knowledge to make content, to make websites, to do marketing in a way that's helpful. And the more successful we are, the better the world is. Because if they're buying more ads, they're basically what Seth Godin said was interruption marketing They're yep. in, versus content marketing, which is educating, entertaining, being useful. And by the way, there's some positive feelings that come from that. Absolutely. that then translate into order. That's your vision. You want to be the guy who does that only through software. You don't want to hire the writers who are going to write for your clients. You just want to empower those writers that they hire. Well, we want to get, we want to be the connection point to get everything you need for enterprises. And we have a marketplace in our product where you can, if you want to have a content brief created, you can like an Uber experience, you can just request, the, press a button and request it. And um, we want to have all the services that you need in the marketplace. And we have partners that are connected in the marketplace that can deliver that. By the way, what's that on your wrist? The one you're gesturing oh, that's with? My pandemic mask. Sorry. Ah, the mask. You got to keep it around. Yeah, New York is still using that. Us too here in California. Um, I I wonder now that you've got new cut new employees coming in. Are they getting the same rights, the same equity as the ones that that relaunched the company with you? 
Yeah. So, so the rights, um, good question. So the rights that we give all the new people are, is the same rights, the equity, we just flipped the switch on a different kind of equity. So, so yeah, different equity. So, um, because of, uh, because now the company is, is past the year and there's something called four or nine a, where you have to get your stock evaluated. Um, we can't grant stock to people anymore as co-founders because they, they would have tax implications with that. And then, you know, and, and, becomes a lot of money to pay all their taxes. Um, so we're giving people stock options, but um, to the extent you we, you know, we make the stock options um, in the best possible way, um, you know, like 10 year extension, no, no, uh, no exercise. That's like, you know, uh, uh, that we, we basically make it as employee friendly as possible, um, but it's still stock options. What do you think of what's going on right now where companies are starting to say, let's not talk about politics, personal stuff. Are you good with that? Yeah, very, very, you know, very tricky topic. We've had more contention here at Conductor. And I think all the CEOs I talk to, it's, it's become a very hard time to be a leader, you know, where, Mm -hmm. Hey, why didn't you say something about this? Or why why are you talking about this? Or, and then, and then when you are talking about it, people are upset that you're talking about stuff. Hey, why are you talking about this Seth? Are we trying to build a company or are we a social justice company? So it's been a little bit of a no-win situation for leaders in the short term, but in the long term, I think it will all make things better. My perspective is you got to have values as a company. If your values are about equality, if your values are about um, are about um, supporting your people, um, then when there are things that happen in the world that are either anti-equality or not, you know, or your people need support, like for example, the members of the AAPI community here in in, in conductor and they're worried about getting attacked on the street. You know, I think they What's look, API? um, uh, Asian, uh, Asian Pacific Islanders. Okay. American Asian so, Pacific Islanders. Right. So you're saying if they're worried about getting attacked on the street on the way over to work here, we can't be insensitive to their concern. Yeah, and, and hate crimes against, uh, uh, Asians are, you know, skyrocketing. So you have to say something and you have to let them know they have your support and, and it, it means something to them. So, I think that as leaders, we have a responsibility to provide uh, to provide inclusion and membership and support to the communities in the company. And where it gets hard is just like where do you cross? Where's the line about what where you talk and where you don't? But I think companies that are saying, "Listen, politics and all this stuff and advocacy, like yeah. like Thirty Seven Signals, you can't talk about." It's it it, it it it's too overlapping with diversity and inclusion and things that people really care about and. Yeah, yeah, you can't just cop out of it. I'd like to find a way to cop out of that stuff. I, I, I want to not have politics get into every conversation in my life. But I think what you're saying is it's not politics. If somebody's feeling unsafe on the way over to work, whether it's because not politics, right? If it's if not. if the sidewalk is broken, if there's if there's crime there, or if there's hate crime there, it's all the same. And we've got if Asian people that. are getting attacked on the street, um, if you know black people are getting murdered by cops. Mm-hmm. Um, these are not politics. These are American values of equality and a world where people are equal. And I think that the workforce of today, they demand to be at a place where their leadership will advocate for their rights. And that they, they at least can feel, and I know for me, a conductor, I can't speak for other companies. I want to make sure that the people at our company, um, know that we got their back. Like you're a conductor. 
Like I will, I will, I will, I will come out on the street and fight your battle with you. If that's what it takes. Like it'll be like Ross Perot who somehow, I think he flew into Iran to rescue his people or he sent somebody in to rescue his people. But the fact that they were his people in Iran meant that he had to go and find a way. Your people, your people. And, and, and I don't care what we're, you know, they, once there are people, there are people and we'll do anything for them. Your dad's got to be proud by now. Don't you think? Yeah, my dad. He is, my dad, right? Yeah, yeah, my dad's proud. He's he's a good he's a good dad. What was it that that made him worry about you? I was a bad kid. I was a really bad. What'd kid. What'd you do? I, I know you, you sold drugs. Can we say that? <laughs> no, I can't say that. <laughs> Wait, what made you think that? I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff out there to see what happens. Listen, I'm not going to convict myself of anything, but. Uh, yeah, I did a lot. I did a lot. I did things. I mean, I, I, listen, I, I did stuff that I just was a bad kid. I would say starting from, I mean, starting from nursery school. You I told got our expelled. producer, I got, you, you bit a kid first day preschool. Oh, I told, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah I come, got expelled on my first day of preschool. Um, expelled? I bit, I bit a girl because she wouldn't give me raisins. Um, and mm. uh, I got kicked out of a lot of schools. I spent a lot of time in the principal's office. I got a lot of parents calling my parents about things I did to them. I had a lot of police coming to my house. Oh, wow. Um, I didn't realize it was that um, bad. So what yeah. turned you around? Well, you know, my, my, uh, from the time I was 13 to 18, you know, my parents got divorced and my dad was working. And I live with my dad and I was working. All, he worked a lot. And then he, all, he had two jobs and then he also was doing his own grieving and he was dating at night and stuff. So I had a lot of time by myself when mm. I was like 13 to 18. I taught myself how to drive. Like when I was 14, you know, I would drive my brother's car to school. Long um, Island? Yeah, in Long Island. Wow. I mean, um, you know, and I, I, I barely went to school as it was. Um, and, um, but I just, I got it all out of my system, right? So, you know, um, the things I just did, I did so many things that, I got it out of my system that by the time I was 18, I moved to Manhattan. Like the day I turned 18, I went to a city college here in, in, in uh -huh. Manhattan. And I was like, okay, I'm here. Like, I don't have to go and like do anything. I don't have to go and like soil my oats somewhere or do some crazy stuff. I did it all. Oh uh, yeah. And then I'm looking around and I'm in the city and I'm like, this city has unlimited potential, but you gotta have some bucks to do something. You know, like you gotta, yeah. you gotta have some currency because uh, you can't do anything without currency in this city. And it's also a city that is, you could do anything. So I, I just, I, I went from, I did one semester at Hunter College where I went to school during the day. And after that, I got full-time jobs for the rest of my college. I went to school at night. I had a, I used to wear a suit every day to work. I had a full-on salary. And, and then after I worked for four years, I had like corporate jobs. I worked for Nautica Corporation. I worked for the software company called Cross Border Solutions. I was like, a, I was a sales guy, like an SDR making cold calls uh -huh. and stuff. And I go to school at night. Um, I was like, I don't want to do this the rest of my life. Like, first of all, those companies, they were terrible cultures. I'm like, this sucks. Like, am I going to sit here the rest of my life and check in while some, you know, some guy, some jerk comes and tells me that he doesn't like how I look that day. And yeah. I got to be, I got to be, you know, working for the man. And, and, I, and I, I was fortunate that I had these bad experiences. So I'm like, I don't want to be doing this the rest of my life. So I was like, I got to start my own thing. And, you know, one thing led to the next. And, and that's, that's, what, that's what got me here. I do find that when, when you live in New York, you do see these possibilities for both sides. I used to go and like separate hangers in a, in a basement 
because that's the job my dad got me. And I saw that there's a life over here that I didn't realize existed of people who are going to spend the rest of their lives in the basement because they, they weren't going to school. They didn't have a future. They, and frankly, many times they were just, they were illegal immigrants, right? And you saw what they were hoping for the future. And then you looked up and you saw the possibility of what was out there. And you said, I said, this is amazing. I want that too. I'm with you on this. Dude, I'd like to see you write a book. I, you told me before we got started, you're not a phase in your life where you're like sitting around talking about your story, writing your book. I feel like, you know what it could be? No, I don't know that you've got the patience for it, but you're the content guy. So for you to sit and write more about what, what the right culture is for a business, how to think about it from the beginning, I think it's meaningful and it's, and you got the authority, the credibility to do it. And then from there, I'd like yeah. to see you just frankly write the, my life story. I mean, the, 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 the WeWork stories, um, were unbelievable. Um, yeah. You know, I'll share one or two with you if you're interested. Um, yes, yes, yes. Um, I was trying and, to figure uh, out how much you want to say. Yeah, yeah, no, I sh I'll share anything about it. Okay. Um, um, the, um, I'll share a couple of them with you. I'll, I'll, I'll give one good one that I've never shared before that you'll like. Um, but we're, I mean, we're, we're in the beginning, we're in the, we're in the early chapters here, right? Like we, we've got a great road ahead and, um, and I, I, you know, we'll, we'll find out, help me figure out how to write a book. I'll, I'll figure, I'll, I'll, I'll figure out if we can, but we got, we have great story here. Um, the we, so we work, um, so the story I've never shared. Um, so we just sold the business and we got, we joined, we work. And, you know, as I said, we were like $28 million in ARR and, uh, Adam Newman's like, you gotta be a billion dollars in three years, or you're not going to mean anything. And I'm like, okay, okay, yeah, I'm like, yeah, okay. And, so, and he's like, you got to come back with a plan of how you're going to be a billion dollars in three years. Now, there's physics in SaaS. You don't go from 30 to a billion dollars, right? So I think we came back with a plan that was like, I think we can get, I remember sitting with my team in a room and like, we're going to, we came back with a plan where like we can get to maybe $140 million in four years or something. Anyway, so we start building this plan. We've got all these ambitions of hiring an SMB product, and we're going to do distribution through WeWork and all this stuff. Anyway, about a month later, um, Adam's like, "Hey, let's go on a let's go. Um, you know, we we're like I'm taking a trip. You want to come with me? We're going to go meet the mayor of LA, and we're going to do this little tour. So we went to LA, went to San Francisco, and um, I'm on the I'm on the plane, and uh, there's a guy who just joined WeWork who was like the top, one of the top five guys at Amazon, a guy named Sebastian Gunningham, phenomenal, phenomenal guy that, 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 that I really, really very fond of. And Sebastian, right when he joined WeWork, be, me being very opportunistic, I emailed him the day they announced it. I'm like, hey, I'm Seth, I just joined the company. They just, they just sold, you wanna come meet me? So he met me he, and at the end of the meeting, he's like, he's like, yeah, this is cool what you're doing and you're, you're a good guy, but I don't understand why you're here at WeWork. <laughs> so anyway. I'm now on the plane. I'm on. I'm at Adam's private plane, and it's it's uh it's Sebastian, myself, and me sitting at a little table. And Adam's like, "Hey, Seth. Um, so we've been thinking. Thirty days after we bought the company, we've been thinking. Um, we think we we're gonna sell conductor." And I'm like, "Okay." I'm like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Yeah, we're gonna sell the company. I think we're gonna sell it to Salesforce." Um and um. Uh, we're going to sell the company and, uh, you know, we, you should keep your best people and you can hire anyone that you want from the company and we're going to sell it. And we really think we should have, you know, we should be help, have everybody focus on the core business. And literally my, my heart sunk in like the worst way because <laughs> he wasn't joking. 
And I, I, I had felt like, again, this, this feeling of like, wow, like you just got punched in the stomach. I was so excited about building conductor. I just told everybody how excited I was. And, and then, and then the conversation kind of abruptly ended. He's like, I'm going to meet, he's like, Mark Benioff's coming over next week. We like be ready and, and we'll, uh, you know, we'll give him a good deal. I know you like Salesforce, Seth, because he knows he knows I like Salesforce and I like Mark Benioff quite a bit. Um, and Adam was, you know, pretty good friends with Mark Benioff at least at that time. Um, you know, when we were selling the company, he was like texting with Benioff and FaceTiming him, and um, you know, like about our deals. Um, and uh, anyway, um, so the 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 two or the the trip goes on. We don't talk about this again. And then like the day we're back, I get a text message from the CFO of WeWork. He's like, hey, Benioff's going to be here tomorrow. Be ready at 11 a.m. tomorrow. Be in Adam's office. So I go to someone here at Conductor. I mean, I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. I mean, keep in mind, I'm running the company. We just sold it. Everything's all this happening. And I, I don't know what the hell's going on. I, I uh, so I talked to this. I talked to uh, Lindsay, who's here at Conductor. She's our head of marketing. It's a phenomenal conductor. And I'm like, hey. We're, we're having a really big partnership meeting with Salesforce like tomorrow and we need to make a deck for it really fast. <laughs> so we make this deck and I'm I, the next day I go over there and I'm in Adam's like, he's got this big giant office and couches and TVs everywhere. He's got like a spa in there and I got my slides up on the screen and, and Benioff's in the building doing the tour and he's going to be making his way to the room and we're going to have this conductor meeting. And Mark, Mark walks in the room and Adam's with him. He introduces me and Adam changes his mind at the last second. And we never talked about conductor once. And then Adam never brings it up ever again. Uh, wow. He and never brings it up ever again. And actually once, and then he had the, he had the nerve to tell me months later that I'm too emotional and he referenced the time when he told me that in the that he had to leave the meeting because he saw how emotional I was getting, that he couldn't be he couldn't stand to look at me anymore because I was too emotional. So that's kind of like you know a manip manipulative technique. Um, and the the emotion did you you not he's not talking about this meeting where you showed emotion, right? I was I was emotional when he told me on the plane that he wanted to sell the company oh, right after we just. Wow. I, I was excited to be a part of we got. So then yeah. so then so then. Uh, that turns out to um, that turns out to be he never talked about it again, and then he 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 didn't want to. It was just a it was a so I talked to WeWork about it, and they're like, "Don't listen to Adam." Like, <laughs> so I came back. I came to the first board meeting we had two months later with a plan to buy the company out from WeWork. And I'm like, you guys don't want me here. I got a plan. I'll get out of here. Uh, if you're going to you know, sell or, me to Salesforce, then just sell me yeah. to me instead. I'll well, no, I was going to partner with a private equity firm because okay. they just paid a bunch of money. And then I got screamed at at this board meeting. Like, we're not doing a deal with PE and we're not, we're not, you know, we're not selling the business. We just bought it. So, so then I was like, okay. And then I, I, you know, I just, I got back to conductor and I just leaned into what we were doing here. And, uh, and never, that conversation never came up again. And, uh, but that's, that's just one of many stories like that, that are just, when I talk about a roller coaster, I mean, yeah, it was a roller coaster. You think and, he and changed his mind right there in the meeting with Benioff? I don't know, you know, okay. I don't know. Or maybe he was just riffing to see, is it possible? And, or does it make sense? Is that what it is? You I don't, don't know. know. That's the thing. There's know. not enough logic. As as for you, a person who's so logic, who's ori who's oriented that way, 
this makes no sense. This makes no sense to anyone. Absolutely. He has great authority and influence. And right. the implications for me were drastic. That basically was a three month, that put me in a tailspin for three months because, wow. um, you know, and again, the hard part about being a leader, especially in those times is that I got to put my game face on for all my people here. Meanwhile, I'm, you know, I'm like, is this, is this, they, they don't want us here anymore. And I'm like, I, I just, I just told everybody how excited they are. Why to have did they here. even want you? What was the connection to WeWork? Well, WeWork was our biggest customer. Okay. We had done phenomenal work for them as we do for our customers. And we made them a, a lot of sales, right? Um, because we grew their organic presence tremendously in the, in the multiple hundreds of percents and hundreds of millions of dollars we made for them. So I think they wanted us to help them with their marketing, but um, Adam, uh, Adam had a strong affinity to me and he, and he, I, I would, I refused to accept any offers to join the company. And this was the, this was the only way to get to, to, to make that happen. So we, um, mm. you know, um, that, that had a lot to do with it, right? He but it's mostly that he liked working with you. He wanted more of you for his company. It's not that he wanted, he wanted to get into to the be space. An executive. He wanted me to be an executive at WeWork. Mm. Um, and I, I, there was a vision for humanizing like conductor being the, the marketing arm of WeWork. Mm -hmm. Like we would have an enterprise product and that's what I was joining for. I'm like, Hey, we're going to use their platform and we're going to build a giant marketing platform using all their customers. Yep. And it was the fastest growing enterprise customer base in the world. So I was excited to do that, but I think he had other things in mind and, and you know, he, it, 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 it definitely created a lot of tension. I mean, Adam would call me all the time and he's like, Hey, when are you going to leave conductor and come join me here at WeWork? And wow. And you uh, knew each other from school, right? From what I understand, you went to school. We, we, were, we were like barely acquaintances in school, mm. but we built a relationship in 2016 when they became a customer. Okay. That's when we started to get to know each other. And I haven't, oh. and since we, since we, since we bought the company back and since his last day at WeWork, I haven't talked to him once. Would you? Of course. Yeah, of course. I would talk yeah, to him. Yeah, yeah. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I, I don't think I would uh, get into a business transaction. <laughs> I don't think so either. I wonder how he's going to come back though. I wonder what the next version of him is going to be. I mean, he likes real estate, real estate. People don't care about all the other stuff. And like you said earlier, I mean, I mean, I look at like Alex Rodriguez, right. And, and for those of you who don't know, like he's a baseball player, but he was like the most despised, despised person in professional sports. He got suspended from the major league baseball. He was using drugs, selling drugs. And now Alex Rodriguez is like the head guy for ESPN. I mean, I think up until recently, he's like, you know, J dating JLo. He's like, you know, everyone loves Alex Rodriguez. So I think we live in a very forgetful world for good and for yeah. bad. And uh, I think Adam, you know, hopefully Adam, Adam has so many superpowers. If he can, you know, if he could shore up some of the, some of the parts that he needs to work on. He, I mean, he's, he's a, he's a very powerful person. I wonder what he's going to end up being. I will see, but he's not telling his story yet. At least you're you're out there telling your story. I feel like what's happening to well, him. I am. Now, I am today. You I, are I I not enough. Talked, I, mean, I haven't talked to. I haven't talked. No, to no, anybody. no. I'm not saying you're telling his story. I think he'd oh. do better to start taking a little bit of his of the narrative into his own hands for his own life. I think what you're doing now. It, let's come back to you. I'm glad that you're out there talking about this. You know why? I think that there are people who are going to be working for you who are wondering who is this guy Seth? Where did this company come from? Does he really believe it? Is he like, can I look in his eyes or listen to his words and, and see something I believe in? And I'm glad you're doing this. Yeah, thank, well, thanks for the opportunity. All right, thanks so much. I usually would give out the website so people can go and sign up, but no one's signing up. My audience is all entrepreneurs. I don't think they're at the place where they're ready to, to work with you, right? 
Yeah, well, Conductor actually has a free product that we just came out with called Conductor for Chrome. It's a Chrome extension. Okay. And it's actually useful for really anybody, any marketer, any anyone who's doing digital. And uh, if they want to get that, that's a great way to start working with us. It's free. It's free for life. And um, But uh, we have a lot of great content that we share. We have a lot of good events that the company has that are welcome for everybody. And, um, and um, yeah, we're happy to happy to do what we can do. Well, if you heard this interview and you get to see him in person, go say hi to Seth. Thank you so much. Amazing opportunity. Thank you for doing what you do for the community. You bet. Right on, man.